Previously on Seek Search, we discussed how essential truth is. As part of that discussion, we noted that truth must be balanced with love. Without love, our adherence to truth will not be in a form that is pleasing and acceptable to God. Love is foundational. Let's explore this truth today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham, and I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it will be a blessing for you. Let's get going. To see how foundational love is to our walk with God, let's see what Jesus said about the greatest commandment. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, we see this account. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Sometimes we need to simply step back and examine ourselves. Is this my motivation? Is this your motivation? Is this the focus that we truly have? May we grow in our love for God, to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Now, where did this command come from? It actually was the old law from the law of Moses back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Well, let's see what's said right before that, still in Deuteronomy 6, which tells us how to be on the path toward that proper love for God. Just before the greatest commandment was given, we read this in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. Well, this idea sounds a lot like what the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The introduction to the Proverbs states this foundational truth as well. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we need to have a proper fear. And from proper fear, that is a mixture of a trembling fear and also a profound respect. Whenever we have that proper fear, 
we will end up having a willingness to humbly receive instruction to grow in knowledge and in understanding and wisdom and discretion and insight. So let us fear God and keep his commandments and grow in our love for him. Let us love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the greatest commandment, foundational to everything we do. But Jesus didn't stop there. He volunteered more in his answer. In verse 31 of Mark chapter 12, he continues, The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, there is no other commandment greater than these, these, these two commandments. Now, where did the second commandment come from? Actually, it's rather buried in the midst of a bunch of Old Testament commandments. We can find it in Leviticus 19, verse 18, which says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus pulls this out and highlights it as so important as the basis of all human interaction. We must have love for others. That is foundational as well. So let's pause here and note this conversation is actually answering a question about the old law and the prophets. In Matthew's account of this same interaction, Matthew chapter 22, uh, we see in verse 36 that when the question is asked, it's asked, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And when Jesus concludes his answer, talking about the greatest and the second he says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, this is significant for us to understand because sometimes there's a contrast that is argued that isn't accurate. There's a contrast that said, well, the Old Testament is about law and commandments, but the New Testament is all about love and belief or faith as opposed to law and commandments. And... Um, that teaching is not really saying what Jesus says. In fact, it's not what the old law says about itself. The old law was founded upon these two commandments to love. Jesus affirms that in this passage. So anyone who contrasts and says law was the old stuff and now we've got love, they are not abiding within what Jesus says about the old law. Well, we see the theme of love as foundational in the Old Testament in other passages later on. Joshua chapter 22 and verse 5 reiterates this idea of the fundamental need to love God fully and wholly. Uh, verse 5 says, but take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. The prophets, like Micah, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, says, 
in order for us to have a proper relationship with God, we have to have elements that love our neighbor. So let's see what he says. Micah 6, starting in verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? By the way, let's keep this reference in mind for a little bit later. We'll come back to the idea of burnt offerings later. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then he answers it. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy? By the way, both of those are love your neighbor concepts to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what the law and the prophets were all about. And we see that reiterated in a summary that's given to us in the New Testament, but is really still talking about how the law had these elements to it, as well as the new covenant. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. While this command is given in the New Covenant, it is actually being reiterated in the New because it is drawing from the Old. So we need to recognize that these greatest commandments are not only about the Old Covenant, they also form the foundation of the New Covenant under Christ. God intended that for the Old and also for the new that we are now under. And we see this further when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. If our motivation is not love, our actions are not pleasing to God. Well, at this point, let me pause for a moment to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions or to request the first lesson of our What the Bible Says correspondence course. My email address is seeksearch, all one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. Also, if you are on Facebook, look up Seek Search as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. So getting back to our topic for today, how is this love to be manifest? Consider how the resurrected Jesus 
drew Peter back to him after his denials. In John chapter 21, 15 through 19, Jesus had an emphasis of asking the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Think about that question from Jesus. And the answer was, of course, you know I love you. Peter was trying to answer that question. And then Jesus would say, tend my lambs. And in response, he then said, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. And so it was this, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. And the answer was, then you take care of my people. You take care of the people around you. And that is an interesting connection of love for God and that needing to be exhibited in love for our brethren and love for our neighbors. We are called to do good to everyone. Well, let's see how it's stated in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Care for the brethren is a priority, but the call is to care for all. And that ties into, do you remember Jesus' answer to the lawyer who was asking, well, who's my neighbor? And he ends up giving the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25 through verse 37, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is given an answer to that question. And Jesus wraps up in verse, 20, uh, verse 36, saying, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. We need to understand that definition of love for our neighbor. And love for our neighbor also includes love for our enemies. This is so challenging, but it is a challenge where we are supposed to seek to be perfect like our father. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, let's see John's extensive description of all of this in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And this is going to be a long reading, but I don't apologize for that because God's word needs to inform us much more so than my commentary. And so let's let God's word speak to us about the love we should have. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Let me pause for just a moment there. No fear? That seems like a contradiction with what we were talking about with the fear of the Lord before, but it's really not a contradiction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is talking about if we continue to grow and mature, then maturing in love means that we'll continue to have great respect for God, but we'll no longer need to fear the judgment of God and the punishment that is in this context. So that's a beautiful thing to think that a fear early on that may be a fear of punishment is transforming into a faith that no longer has to fear such judgment and punishment. Well, let's keep going. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. All right, well, 1 John 4 summarizes why Jesus answered Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, consider the scribe's response to Jesus' answer, and then how Jesus replied to that. Mark chapter 12, verses 32 through 34, And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions.
Now, why did Jesus say that? It's because the nature of the kingdom of God is as described in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Do we have love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith? We need to. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Peter goes on to say in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 11, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Notice how the capstone of all of these is love. Let's continue on. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Are we increasing in these things or lacking and forgetting? Well, he continues, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's shift gears one more time to another aspect of this. So... Were all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices of zero value under the old law? Because back in the scribe's answer to Jesus, he said to love God and to love our neighbor is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Well, much more than is not saying there's no value or no purpose at all. Think about it from what Psalm 51 says toward the end. This is where David is appealing to God, and he says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And then he goes on another verse later and says, Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. So think about it. He is making a contrast, and he says, really what you want to have is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. But he's not saying in the previous verse that burnt offering doesn't mean anything at all in the Old Testament. What he says is, first, I've got to be broken, and I've got to have the contrite heart I'm supposed to have, and then you will delight in those sacrifices that you have commanded. 
that fits with the whole idea of Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus condemns the scribes and Pharisees as hypocrites because they tithe mint and dill and cumin, but they've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And what does Jesus say about that? These you ought to have done, you should have had justice and mercy and faithfulness where they belong without neglecting the others. Meaning, once you have love and justice and mercy and faithfulness and those weightier matters in the right place, then obeying the commands of God have, has the right context and is pleasing to God. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 14 in a couple of different places, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 23 and following, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not from me, but the father who sent me. John says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Well, that idea that his commandments are not burdensome points us to the invitation that the Lord gave at one point in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So even when we are called to obey God's commandments, that is not burdensome. In fact, the yoke of Jesus is easy and his burden is light. Can we help you to learn more to come to Jesus? Can we help you to desire and seek after the truth of God that is so essential for us, the truth that sets us free? Can we help you to grow in love for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? I would invite you to reach out to me to continue the conversation about living the biblical balance of truth and love. Well, that wraps up our time for today. May we seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. Feel free to ask a question, make a comment, or request lesson one of our Bible Correspondence course. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.